0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 425. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, We share our verdict on the iPhone 12 Mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. DJI has released the Mini 2 drone that can fit in the palm of your hand, yet still capture stunning 4K quality. And in our celebrity tech interview, we talk to Dave Faulkner. He's the front man for the band Hoodoo Gurus. In the Tech Guide review, he's going to take a look at the Chromecast with Google TV. Arlo releases the new wireless video doorbell and the new dating app that can match users based on their health and fitness interests. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, we've been reviewing for the last couple of weeks the latest iPhone 12s. Remember, there's four of them. So we've already seen the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro, which we we gave our review on a couple of weeks ago. But there are two others, and these are the other size devices. So the 6.1-inch devices were the ones that have already been released. That's the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro. So what we have now and what we're reviewing in this show is the iPhone 12 mini which has a 5.4 inch screen and the iPhone 12 Pro Max which is at the other end of the scale with a 6.7 inch display the biggest iPhone ever and both devices though so let's start with the iPhone 12 mini it is in terms of features identical to the iPhone 12 so same camera Same A14 bionic processor, same design, everything's the same. Camera, dual camera system, the same. The only difference being it has a smaller screen and a smaller, more pocketable size. So I I think there's there's a lot of customers out there who don't want a big screen phone. They want the power, they want the performance, they want the camera, but they don't want to lug around a big display. Me, I'm the opposite. I'm more an iPhone 12 Pro Max guy. So I'm more your go big or go home guy, but for other customers, it's a good things come in small packages kind of uh, kind of approach where yes, you want all the all the functionality, the features, your apps, but you don't want to have to carry around a big device. And until now, if you wanted a smaller screen iPhone, you would have had to maybe downgrade to an iPhone SE or maybe hold on to an older phone like the iPhone 7. Or the iPhone 8, but now what, what Apple's provided is this smaller screen, which e- even though it is smaller physically than the iPhone SE, and we've done a video on Tech Guide if you want to check out our comparisons here, it is smaller physically than the iPhone SE. Yet the iPhone 12 Mini display offers more more room, so it's larger display in a smaller form factor. There are the, you can see that comparison in the video there, but that just illustrates the fact that yes you can still have a great viewing experience despite the fact it is 5.4 inches which compared to other devices other flagship devices on the market it is well below that six inch that six inch level that we now seem to be at with these the smartphone the, the flagship smartphones but still under the hood you still got that a fourteen bionic processor which just keeps things moving along very smoothly the 12 mini display has a resolution of 2340 by 1080 with 476 PPI which is pixels per inch. The larger, interestingly, the larger 6.1 inch display on the iPhone 12 has a lower PPI, so 460 PPI on the larger display. So more pixels per inch on the mini than there is on the iPhone 12 Pro. Same A14 bionic processor, same camera as well. So I did review the camera on the previous episode and on Tech Guide as well. So I won't be diving as deep on this review for that. But rest assured, it still has night mode, deep fusion, which optimizes images in mid to low light, smart HDR3, which really examines each image and brings out more detail in the brighter and darker sections of the picture. And it also has portrait mode, of course, and on the video side, even though the iPhone 12 Mini is is a lightweight, it does does deliver like a heavyweight. It's got the 4K HDR and also shoots Dolby Vision, along with uh, and also provides fantastic performance in low light. So with that sort of quality in your hands, you can really come up with some impressive stuff, both on the video side and on the image side. And of course, don't forget all of the iPhones, including this the teeny tiny iPhone 12 Mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max, are 5G. In fact, the iPhone 12 mini is the world's smallest and lightest 5G smartphone. So you do have that cell, that cellular connectivity uh, at your fingertips as well. So uh, in terms of streaming and downloading content and connecting, you still have that really fast connection. But what I like about the iPhone 12 mini, it, it uh, and the people that I showed it to, it, it had that cute factor. So I got the same reaction when I pulled out the iPhone 12 mini as, as if I showed them a picture of a puppy dog. They went, oh, isn't that nice? They, they grabbed it, they wanted to touch it and hold it and it does have that cute factor, it certainly does. But look, if size doesn't matter, the iPhone 12 mini might just be the perfect fit for you. But if you want a, a larger experience, if you want the bigger screen, then the iPhone 12 Pro Max is definitely your best option here and not only do you get the bigger screen, you also get a slightly better camera uh, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but just in terms of the sheer size of this thing, it is big and it is bold and it is beautiful. And I'm really, this is my favourite iPhone ever, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. I got the gold version as well. And the, the outside, the surgical grade stainless steel Shines like a similar sheen as if it's gold bullion, it looks beautiful. Uh, And uh, there are other colors available too. My iPhone 12 Pro is actually Pacific Blue, which also looks pretty smart, would look big, would look great in in that larger iPhone 12 Pro Max size. But that screen, 6.7 inch Super Retina XDR display, uh, same as on the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12 Pro, by the way, same XDR display, Super Retina, 2 million to 1 contrast ratio, support. For native Dolby Vision, so your content looks amazing. And uh, one thing though, uh, it doesn't have. Oh no, I would have loved to have this option. It doesn't have a hundred and twenty hertz refresh rate. Uh, like if you can recall the Android flagships, like I'll give you a good example: the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra has a hundred and twenty hertz refresh rate. Optional, you can you can turn it off or switch it on when if you're watching something in particular, maybe some sport or a movie or whatever. Uh, and but the iPhone 12 Pro doesn't offer that. I suspect Apple didn't want the battery to be Im- impacted, or even though the battery, uh, I'll talk about that again later too, is fantastic, but it would have been good to have the choice. It would have been good to have the option to go into the settings, toggle 120 hertz on, and to be able to watch, say, a half-hour show or whatever I'm watching on the phone, and then go back and switch it back to the 60 hertz or, whatever, or 90 hertz, whatever it's running at right now, uh, no, they didn't give us that option. The other thing that would have been lovely too, and you've got to remember, this has a big screen. It has a screen resolution of twenty seven two thousand 2778 by 1284, 458 PPI. Uh, interestingly, the 12 Pro has a higher PPI, 460 PPI with the iPhone 12 Pro, but more pixels on, just a sheer number of pixels on the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Now, remember The size of that display, and that's that size. That display had me at hello. Loved it. Loved the big size. One idea I had: wouldn't it be great if they could Apple? Apple could introduce a split screen feature like they have on the iPad OS. The iPad does have a bigger screen and has more room naturally to run your apps. But this is a giant screen, six point seven inches. You could easily run two apps one on top of the other here. That would have been a fantastic option to be able to run say your mail in the top half and a browser in the bottom half. There is room to do it. It will put it this way, it wouldn't have the size of the app on on each half of the iPhone twelve Pro Max would have been just as good quality as one app running on the iPhone twelve Mini. Just some food for thought. It would have been great to have that added functionality, being able to run two apps side by side on there. Maybe next time. But uh, look, the entire iPhone 12 range, including the 12 mini and the 12 Pro Max, do have ceramic shield. That makes the screen tougher. We did speak about that in the other review. Uh, But the other reason to upgrade to the iPhone 12 Pro is the camera system. There are features aboard the iPhone 12 Pro Max that it only has, uh, including a a sensor that allows 87% more light, The iPhone 12 Pro Max also has a sensor shift feature which smooths out your videos and images by making 5,000 micro adjustments to the sensor per second. So you think about these really subtle shakes you can have, like say you're videoing, you're filming while you're driving in a car. You might be filming something out the window or walking. It'll take the shakes out of that. When you think about it, it is a lot easier to smooth out a sensor, which is quite light, rather than the heavier lens system. So that's Apple really smartly going the sensor shift route rather than the image stabilization within the lenses. So that's pretty clever. The iPhone 12 Pro Max also has a new 65 millimeter telephoto camera and offers up to five times optical zoom. Uh, and of course, there are there's night mode, portrait mode, smart HDR three, deep fusion, and the same quality video, 4K HDR, 60 frames a second, Dolby Vision HDR that you can also edit on the device itself. Now the other advantage though of having a big phone like the iPhone 12 pro Max is the battery. bigger bigger phone equals bigger battery. and I've got to tell you when we were you reviewing the iPhone 12 pro Max we got two full days of battery life. So we had it on the charger at 100 percent at let's say 8 a.m on a Monday. Tuesday night at 7.30, we still had 20% battery left and could have gone probably later into the night. The battery symbol turned red, which means get it on the charger, but it even lasted a couple of hours after that. So that is remarkable that it can give you that battery life. Again, bigger phone, bigger battery equals longer battery life. They all also are compatible with the handy new MagSafe wireless charging system that works on every iPhone 12 but again, we well, have got a choice here, iPhone 12 mini or the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Good things come in small packages, go big or go home. The choices are there. They, they might be different ends of the spectrum, but they have one thing in common. To so the right user, they're going to be probably the best iPhone they've ever owned. If you want to read more about our iPhone 12 mini and iPhone 12 Pro Max reviews, check them out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, DJI have just released a brand new drone. It's called the Mini 2, and I'm a big DJI fan. I call DJI the Apple of the drone world. They seem to be the outright leader. They have really stylish drones and a lot of customers and they do have a sort of similar design philosophy and 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 manufacturing and oh no they just have a lot in common with Apple I don't know they just remind me of Apple anyway DJI brand new Mini 2 drone now this is a this is a follow up to last year do you remember that last year's Mavic Mini this is the follow up to that so they've got rid of the name Mavic they're just going to call it the DJI Mini 2 so it's the successor to the original Mavic Mini which was tiny this time out This thing can fit, can fold down and fit in the palm of your hand. It's smaller than a phone and weighs as much as an apple. Yet, with that in mind, okay, tiny, folds down small, quite light, but can shoot some stunning 4K video. And not only that, can do it in some amazing high wind conditions as well. Like winds of up to 38 kilometres an hour, this thing's just going to sit there, and thanks to its three-axis gimbal, it takes the shakes out of the footage. So you're going to be producing some incredible results. And in 4K, don't forget. So 4K on a device this small, on a drone this small, uh, is incredible. And you also, of course, get access to all those pre-programmed movements and image capture modes like the droney, where it flies backwards and upwards. Uh, the helix, which flies upward and away. Rocket, which flies straight up into the air with the camera pointing straight down. Uh, on your subject and following your subject uh, there's also circles that'll so circle around your subject at a constant altitude can even shoot panoramas so imagine that a wider perspective with selected panorama modes as well uh, and all these other wide angle you can capture wide three by three images consi- consisting of nine images so different photos for different scenarios. You can also have time shots as well. Uh, so all these features at your fingertips. Also comes with a handy remote control, so your phone attaches to the top and it keeps it in place. And you can use the DJI uh, app so that you can control control the drone through the through the controller and see what it's seeing, of course. On the camera side, the DJI Mini 2 has a 1 2 inch sensor. Uh, It is capable of capturing 12 megapixel images and, of course, video resolution at 4K at 30 frames per second at 100 megabits per second. That's the rate in which it's saved to the memory card. Uh, Images can be saved as standard JPEGs or RAW files for users who want to do even more editing. The drone also has 4 times zoom, so you can get even closer to your subject. And those, pre, those pre-programmed modes also can make, make you look like a genius as well with, uh, with your images. But this, this drone is capable of far more than what is legal in Australia. And by that I mean the DJI Mini 2 can actually hit an altitude of 4,000 metres. This can go four kilometres into the air, even though it's only legal to go 120 metres. keep that in mind, everyone. Uh, It can also support up to 10 kilometres of range, the, the legal requirement. And I know, I'm a licensed drone pilot. I know all these things. The legal range, there's no actual figure to the legal range. It is line of sight. So you have to have sight of the drone, not only see the drone, but also know by looking at it, its orientation. So if you've got much better eyesight and you can see further, then you can take your drone further. But... That's the legal requirement. You 10 kilometres, of course, is outside of the of line of sight, so you won't be able to see it see it at all. But it is capable of it. Just like your car's capable of probably doing 260 kilometres now. Not that you're going to do that every day. It's, it's illegal to do it. But just the, the DJI Mini 2 does have capabilities... Beyond our laws, and that the, the three axis gimbal can handle those speeds of up to 38 kilometers an hour while still giving you that rock steady video footage courtesy of that, that three axis gimbal is just brilliant. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this. It's on its way to me to review, uh, and I will share that review with you in the coming weeks. In the meantime, if you want to check it out, there's some beautiful YouTube video of its footage and uh, introducing the drone as well as the images. You can see what it looks like and how big it is and even have a look at the controller there. If you want to check all of those out, you know where to go. techguide.com.au. This week on our celebrity tech segment, we have a very special guest. His name's Dave Faulkner, uh, otherwise known as the front man for the Hoodoo Gurus. Now, I can remember listening to the Hoodoo Gurus since the 80s, uh, just giving away how old I am there. But uh, I remember one time they also had a song, one of their most popular songs is called What's My Scene, and it was actually uh, the theme song that year, I think it was in the early 2000s, I can't recall, but it was the theme song for the NRL, so it it was the rugby league's theme song, What's My Scene, or I think they changed it, sorry, they changed it to What's My Team for the NRL. But anyway, fantastic song. Hoodagurus have been around for a while. Dave Faulkner, very well-respected musician. But he did share a good point, though, that, we'll, that you'll hear about how sports seem to have had a bit of a rails run in terms of uh, being able to have crowds. Uh, he said, well, why can't musicians have that? that? Space people out. Let us have our music festivals. Anyway, we talk about that in more when we caught, uh, caught up for our interview. Well, hi, Dave. Welcome to the Tech Guide podcast. How are you going?
1: Good thing, Steve. How are you?
0: Not too bad, thank you. Well, we're going to talk about uh, your new release. I want to get that, uh, start Start the conversation with that. Get out of Dodge. That's just been a yeah, reasonable yeah, Tell us about that.
1: Well, um, sort of inspired by uh, my love of the Beach Boys and also Bubblegum and, and um, Glam Rock. It's a bit of a mixture of influences, really. But um, the story of the song is kind of about when you are surrounded by people that just do not agree with the way you are ah, you know whether it's your opinions or just who you are you know sometimes you, you've you got to kind of avoid the crowd and just strike out on your own and get away from these people because they're probably going to crush you
0: yeah sounds like a, an anthem so get the hell sure. out of dodge before yeah, they kill you absolutely <laughs> sounds like a 2020 anthem right there
1: it sure is mate because we we are finding that people are you know starting to really get polarized in their opinions and there's never the twain shall meet so mm-hmm. um in that situation it's probably best to kind of you know duck for cover and uh Live to fight another
0: day. Absolutely. Well, you've you've uh, you've been a busy you've been busy musician over the years, and I'm sure this release has uh, was a lot different to what, when it was back in the day. How have you found the, the technology changing for you guys from recording, releasing? touring to how it is today. Massive changes, isn't there?
1: Well, I wouldn't get to tell you too much about touring changes because, you know, for us on stage, we just do the same old thing we've always done, playing through a bunch of amps and all that. There's no uh, technology uh, helping us on stage other than the fact of, you know, having great equipment. But it's actually kind of old-fashioned in a way. It's analogue gear as much as possible because that's the best sound for, um, you know, our you know our sort of thing. But um, obviously uh, in the studio with all the latest whiz-bang stuff, you know, um, all digital uh, recording these days, no analog at all, and uh, you know, so we, and that gives you all the flexibility and sometimes the headaches of having too many options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're uh, spoiled for choice there. But the, the, because, well, you are. You could spend yeah. you could spend you know a long time just making everything squeaky clean and perfect, and in fact, that's unfortunately what happens to a lot of people's productions yeah. these days. They get over obsessed with that stuff and they lose all the spirit of the humanity of, it, of the performance. You know, you kind yeah. of iron all that out to make it perfect. So um, we're not like that. We're a band, so we kind of try and capture us and let the technology kind of facilitate that. So, for example, in the past you might have done multiple takes on a, on a tape and then chosen the best tape and sometimes you even, like, you know, might take half a take from one, you know, part and splice it onto the tape and physically, you know, just cut tape together. Whereas now, of course, it's just an easy thing to do, just, you know, press a few buttons and the next thing you know, you've got the take from, you know, the, the chorus from this version added to the verse of that version and you might even repeat the verse because you might say, well, you, there's not many changes in that, the way that verse is played, so let's just do the same verse. Yeah, they're right. all the kind of flexibilities you have, but as I say, you can spend hours and hours worrying about every tiny little yeah. flaw. Um, which is what happens when you get obsessed with that sort of stuff.
0: Of course. And of course the the the, the goal is to give the, the, the listener, the fan, the, the, the song and that has
1: Well the has, main thing is to capture the personality of what's going on, you know, and that's the people playing it as well as the song. So the people playing it have human flaws and you know, the way we interact with each other is something that's never repeatable, so yeah, when you true. try and get too, uh, you know, pedantic, it ends up taking away that stuff, which is actually what makes it kind of the most um, real.
0: What about access to music now? It's 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 totally different. Back in the day, you'd, you'd rock up, you buy your vinyl, you buy your CD. Today, a different story, you're streaming. How, how, do, yeah, how, course, how have you that's, found that change? That's
1: unfortunately, a bygone era in terms of, like, financially too, because, you know, there's a lot less money to be made uh, from these digital streams. I mean, obviously... You're very um, successful artists do quite well out of it. But for a lot of us, it's kind of, you know, hand to mouth a little bit. And, yeah. um, you know, I think we're doing all right. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely feel for some of the younger artists, you know, who before they could sell a couple of thousand singles at their gigs and probably make enough money to, you know, pay for the recording and all that. But, you know, if they try to do it from digital sales, probably not going to be that good because, well, they're not really selling anymore on digital. I mean, some Bandcamp has sales and that's very good for, for artists. But, um yeah. You know, as far as your streaming platform, they don't return much for every play that you get. It's a nano cent almost. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to ask, I, mean, I think a lot, a lot of us, a lot of people who are obviously music fans, me being among them, we, we don't kind of see that side of things, do we? we? We see, oh, wow, we got all this music, we've got every song ever recorded for $12 a month. From, from yeah, the, right. uh, From the other side, how, how has that changed how you do things and how other artists are, are, are doing things?
1: Well, but just to slightly, you know, put some um, weight back into some of the benefits of that system. Obviously, in the old days, you'd buy a CD and that sales once, but you know, it was good money. But now, in a sense, you're buying it every time you play it. But it just takes a long time for you to maybe make enough spins for it to equal the price of an actual CD. If you see what I'm saying? Yes. But it means that people are renting the music rather than, than owning it. So um ultimately, I guess it means in longevity wise some some bands like us, for example, that have like these songs that stick around for a very long time when those songs keep making money gradually. You know you always used to make you know money from sales and best of, things like that as well. so that was a, that was the old model. But you yeah know the new model has benefits as well. so if you've got some longevity and some penetration there, your song keeps earning quite well because people still want to play it, you know, just as much as they ever did. Yes. Maybe
0: I, I, I'd imagine one of the upsides would be uh, discovery—a lot, lot of younger your listeners who weren't around in the '80s and '90s when you guys were were, were really starting out—and
1: totally, one hundred percent. I mean, that was yeah. the funniest thing, you know. I mean, I used to—you know—I remember back when the digital revolution happened and you know there's Napster and all these different things. And I, you know, I didn't agree with people stealing music, and at the same time. Um, the other thing that was being said at the time was, oh, you know, these these big record companies, they control what we hear. And when we get the, uh, you know, when we get streaming platforms, everyone will be equal. And that means all the new music will get, you know, will get um, discovered by people that only you know the things that record companies let you hear, you know, the big yeah. artists. Yeah, right. Well, what did happen instead was, yes, that that, that happened as well, but older artists that were getting that had been lost in the shuffle that were considered out of fashion, say at radio or record companies, all artists that had been around forever, like or bands that had, you know, long gone out of existence, you know, like in the sixties and fifties, whatever. They were getting rediscovered. Which yeah. you know, suddenly everyone had a radio station of their own choice at their fingertips. And that changed everything. So it wasn't just new music that was coming back, it was also, you know, getting to the mainstream, it was also all this old music that people could finally get their hands on when they happened to go and, you know, spend a lot of money at an import shop and not be certain whether they're getting the right version, you know, how, yeah. how it was in the old days, you know, you'd try and get a, you'd buy an album and suddenly you'd find out it was, you know, the ba- some band that had sort of re recorded all their songs that didn't even sound anywhere near the same as the original recording, so... Yeah. You know, that sort of saves all that problem.
0: Absolutely. Imagine, imagine, uh, and I'm a big league fan, so I remember when you guys, your song, What's My Scene, was the NRL, the rugby league anthem. Yep. Uh, that that would have uh, boosted, boosted some sales back in the day. And if that was today, imagine the people going back to listen to that on digital platforms now.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe. But, you know, um, th- that was sort of when we broke it up. So, I don't know, it, it kind of, that song had already done a lot of success. And, you know, I think in a way, I think the rugby league gained more than we did out of that. Really, <laughs> gave them a good, you know, you know, and we broke it up at the time, so it wasn't like we could go out and do shows and kind of rake rake in the money because of our new high profile from this song being back in the, you yeah. know, in people's faces. Um, I, in some ways, that song never went away, so you know, it's still kind of our biggest song. In fact, the Triple M uh, just did this, you know, big um, listener poll, and uh, that was our number one song that they chose. Really, which wow. surprised me actually, because I know another song of ours, "A Thousand Miles Away." Yeah is one people often say is their favourite, so I thought that one would come on top. Oh, that's good. But you... uh, no, What's My theme is the one. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I noticed, too, even with the new release, you are still releasing on vinyl, so you're still supporting You so your grassroots fans and the real audiophiles who want that better sound, aren't you?
1: Yeah, well, also, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a hipster thing, too. You know, like, younger uh-huh. people um, have rediscovered vinyl, and they, in a way, perhaps having too much access and music being so disposable, there's been a sort of a hunger for people to feel like, you know, I'm actually a big music fan and I'm going to prove it by yeah. buying something and it'll be real, you know, not just something that I can just delete and forget about. Yeah. So it's a statement, I think, and people are really relating to that idea. And so it's a, it's a, the market's quite healthy. Obviously, it's never going to come back to being, you know, the number one thing, but it's just a nice little sideline for people. And, you know, for me personally, as a music fan, I love having a actual item. I still buy CDs. So, I mean, I listen to stuff on digital as well, but I do buy CDs and, uh, you know, I just like that thing of, you know, just chuck that on and there it is rather than having to search and think about it. You know, you just look at it in the shelf and you can sort of go, I want to listen to that right now. Yeah. Rather than having <laughs> to remember what you want to look for. Yeah, and sure. You know, endless possibilities of a streaming platform.
0: Yeah. Well, how, how do you feel about, like, there's a whole generation of people now that are, you know, the millennials who who have only been listening to digital music? Like, in terms of quality, do you think they're missing out on, on the the real quality you can get from hearing it, vinyl, and on good equipment?
1: Yeah, I do, I do. I mean, you know, I, 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 I lament the fact that MP3 is kind of like the standard that most music is listened to. You know, but then we've got to accept the fact that, you know, back in the old days, you know, people listening in their, sort of their car cassette player or a CD player in the car or on the radio... I mean, that wasn't great quality either, you know, you pay, and there was, there was noise around there, maybe you, you, you're vacuuming the house and you've got a record on, you know, like, it's, you know, for a lot of people, just hearing a song and knowing that all the bits are there, that's enough. It's only the real sort of diehard fans like maybe you, certainly, you know, people like me, yeah. that kind of want to listen to it and really absorb every sm- sm- slightest nuance and really enjoy the whole Thing of the, yeah. of the of the recording and you know sure. and get obsessive about that. So you know we we are an exclusive group and the world is, in a way has made it harder for us to follow our passion. Sure. But everyone else gets an easier go at what they, you know, getting music they like most accessible.
0: Uh, and of course, the the music scene is not just about recording, but also promoting yourselves. and And you you guys have got your own website now, and you are you active on social media now to sort of promoting yourselves?
1: Yeah, sort of. You know, we're we're on Facebook and Instagram, so we're kind of in the old fashioned area. We haven't gone on to TikTok or any of the other ones, <laughs> but um, not. You know, we're not trying to do anything other than purely, you know, just let people that want to find it find it, you know, we're not trying to really sort of create an audience that's not going to already know about us, really. But, um, you know, that that is interesting because, you know, there was a lot of arguments being made that we've lost some of that uh, mystique of artists, you know, where you didn't know every minutiae of their lives, who they were with last night and where they went and what they ate, and, you know, all the Kim Kardashian-style thing of getting <laughs> <laughs> too much information. Yeah, so, there was, um, it was something
0: about the mystery, wasn't it, eh? Hey? Was like yeah, you, there I think- was,
1: that's right. But, I, you know, I think we're doing okay with, with what we do because we, we don't overshare, you know. we We try to let people... You know what's really going on and give them, you know, you know, photos they may not see elsewhere because obviously we've got you know we have lots of things we can collect that aren't necessarily that important to promote with. So that that's a good place to put those, you know, like whole lace snaps, whatever. But by and large, we're not sort of trying to fill people in on every detail of our lives and you know and we don't sort of we avoid generally speaking <laughs> getting yeah, up on sure. a soapbox and uh, you know promoting our views on this, out and the other. So it's not a platform for that generally, yeah. though I, I do occasionally overstep the line on that regard. <laughs> both enough. on the song level as well as, you know, just on social media. How about
0: uh how are you coping with COVID's obviously changed everything? How are you, you're not touring right now, you're planning on getting out there. <laughs> no, no one or? is. You know, we're not yeah. allowed
1: to play anywhere, we can't yeah. leave the country. You know, and that's literally not you know you can't not allowed to leave Australia. So if we want to we play yeah. anywhere elsewhere. We're like we're supposed to be in America right now. Um but so uh, we delayed that now till next year till September. Okay. But um yeah, obviously um you know there's there's huge challenges for the music industry. It kind of does bother me the fact that it seems that sport has been given some kind of armchair run back into our, yeah. our lives, you know, like we had grand finals last week or two weeks ago with, you know, yeah, 40,000 people 40, sitting there. People, yeah, and yeah. we're still not allowed to have a festival fight with more than 500 people. What's that about? You know?
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's right.
1: You can make all these the rules to have people sitting and, you know, have marshals to make sure people aren't getting too close in line when they line up for a toilet or the beer or whatever, you know, if they're going to get food. wouldn't be hard.
0: Good luck with that. We look forward to seeing you out on the road where you belong Dave, uh, you and the band, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today
1: Thanks a lot Steve
0: This is Tech Guide The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear, they're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming with your work, your gaming is it struggling with your video calling and more and what happens if you're doing all of those things at once, well When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Leading our reviews this week is the Chromecast with Google TV. Now, this is a $99 product that I think is probably one of the best products bang-for-buck products you can buy. Now, this is a follow-up to the Chromecast. You've heard of Chromecast. They are the little devices that you connect to your HDMI port on your TV. There is, They do need to be powered. And then you use your phone to control what you cast to the, the Chromecast, to your TV. Now, with the new model, Chromecast with Google TV, you can actually leave your smartphone out of it because this has a remote control. And it is capable also of 4K streaming. So this is ideal. If you're a customer who has maybe an older smart TV or even a TV that's not smart, but you have a HDMI port, you can turn your TV into a smart TV. So with it, when it's connected, it brings you all the latest 4K streaming services, including Netflix, Stan, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, YouTube, And all the catch-up apps for free-to-air channels, including Nine Now, ABC iView, 7 Plus, 10 Play, you name it. And it gets better if you're a sports fan. You can also install apps like KO Sports and Optus Sports. And you can even also include the more recent streaming apps like Binge and Hey You. So the situation for a lot of you listening now, you may have a brand of TV that doesn't support all the apps I'll give you an example. Say that you're, I know Samsung has KO, Foxtel, they've got all of them. But say your TV, you might have an LG or or a Hisense or a Sony or whatever you happen to have, and your TV may not have, say, KO Sports, for example. Well, with the Google, the Chromecast with Google TV, you can download KO Sports and access that on your television, even though it's not a native application on it. Now, the, the previous way you could do that, I used to recommend to people who wanted KO Sports, they had to buy an Apple TV, an Apple TV 4K, which meant they had to spend hundreds of dollars, connect it up, have access to, to uh, KO Sports and other apps. But now with this solution, this is a $99 solution, the Chromecast with Google TV can eliminate all of those issues. Now, as, as I mentioned, before it was all controlled through your smartphone, but not anymore because now you've got a remote control dedicated remote control that gives you shortcuts to Netflix and YouTube it can even control your TV turn it on and off control the volume of your TV and just navigate through your streaming services it even has voice control so it's got Google assistant built in so you can search for content by title actor genre or even mood you might say I'm I want an uplifting movie and it'll make suggestions just by talking to this remote control Setup is really easy. You can either do it through the Google Home app on your phone or entirely on the TV using the remote control. All you need to do is sign in with your Google account. Uh, if you don't have one, you can easily create it. Otherwise, it's just logging into your account, setting it up, and away we go. We Once we were connected, we, we then had to choose the apps we wanted to include on our home screen. So you can choose Netflix, Disney+, KO Sports, all those apps that you would like. Chromecast with Google TV, You can access the Play Store to not only download streaming services, you can download games and other things as well. And what I like about it too is that once you're all set up, you get this really nice dashboard that can not only place all of these streaming services at your fingertips, but it can also recommend things. Like say you want to watch, it'll say set up in the example that we use here, and you see the photo on Tech Guide, it'll say throwback 90s classics and it offers you Fight Club and Goodwill Hunting and Forrest Gump, and then if there's all sci-fi TV shows, so it gathers all of these suggestions based on the apps you've installed, whether it's Netflix, Prime, Stan, uh, all these others, all these other sources. So it'll sort it into adventure movies and dramas and Oscar-winning movies and you name it, crime shows, sci-fi shows, trending on Google, fantasy shows, all there and all for 99 bucks, remarkable value. Available in three colours, snow, which is white, sunrise, which is pink, and sky, which is blue. $99. You can't go wrong. If you want to check out a complete review, check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're talking about the Arlo Essential Wire-Free Video Doorbell. Now, Arlo have had a video doorbell out. It was a wired video doorbell. And not every customer, me included, had power at the door. Up until now, I've been using a ring doorbell. And I'll tell you the differences of that a little bit later. But now, with the Arlo Essential Wire-Free Video Doorbell, you can either have power, if you do have power, you can still run it through your power, or it just runs on batteries. And Arlo, which the name is familiar to you because they they have great security cameras, wire-free security cameras. They're the leader in this category. So they've got their camera technology on board. The same connectivity as well is offered here. So it connects to your your Wi-Fi network uh, and it, it creates this amazing solution. So what happens? Someone rings the essential video doorbell and rather than... You and this is what happens when I'm a Ring customer now, right? So when I get a someone's at my door, I see the notification on my phone. I have to unlock my phone. I've got to click on the notification. That opens up the Ring app. Then it says activating, activating. It could be could be thirty seconds, forty seconds before I can answer the door. And it, it's not uncommon for me to see the courier walking up the up my driveway because I didn't answer the doorbell quick enough. But with Arlo, that's totally different. So when someone presses the doorbell here, you get a video call. So the second they press it, you're getting a call, you're answering a call, not going through a notification, opening an app and waiting. You get a video call straight to you, straight to your phone and you're talking with them in an instant. And not only are you getting that faster access, you're also getting a better view. You're getting a 180 degree viewing angle and a square one-by-one one aspect ratio. Now, with Ring, anyone who answers the door that you're talking to, you can see them from the chest up. So you can see the chest up to the top of their head. You can't see what's at their feet. You can't even see their feet. But with the Arlo Essential Video Doorbell, the wire-free video doorbell, you can see them head to toe. So say if it's a courier, you can see if there's any packages at their feet. And if they happen to have just left a package for you, you can still see that package on the ground. Now, what I do now, if someone's, if I say to the person, I'll just leave it on my doorstep and they've done so, I can't see that through the ring doorbell. I've got to go then to my Arlo camera, which faces my front door, so I can see that they've placed the, they've A, put the parcel there and B, placed it in the right, put it in the right place, a safe little space around, around the corner where no one can see it, around, around the, on the angle close to the front door. So, Again, that, that's the Arlo in one, it answers the call straight away and then allows you to see what's there straight away as well. So rather than having to resort to using a second camera. Uh, the other features, of course, there's a built-in siren. Uh, you get the direct-to-mobile call, which is fantastic. You get multiple powering options. So if you do have power at your door, you can use that or you can just use your battery, rechargeable battery. It gives you motion detection and alerts as well. Ah, uh, two-way audio, so you can really hear everything very clearly. It's like a phone call when you're talking to people. Uh, you can even there are more ways to answer too. You can leave a message, so there's a quick reply message to, to so you can play a pre-recorded message like voicemail. So someone rings your doorbell, you might have a message say, "Oh, hi there. Can you leave uh, that that package for me uh, at the front door? Thank you." And then it'll it'll allow you to do that. Uh, or you can leave a voice message if there's a vi- you're expecting a visitor. They'll press the doorbell, and you might be expecting someone they'll say, listen, I'm running late, uh, I'll be home shortly, or uh, um, I don't want to see you anymore, uh, leave me alone or whatever. Whatever message you want to leave, you can do that. It also has HD video with HDR uh, and also night vision, so you can see who's at your door even without a light on. And, of course, it's weather-resistant, so it can handle the heat, the cold, the rain, and the sun. So, look, I think uh, All Up, a really great solution here. It's not available, though, till mid-December. So you're going to have to be a little bit patient. We haven't reviewed it. We are going to, though. Uh, we'll talk to you in mid-December when we have it. It's going to be priced at 329 bucks, And if you want to check it out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Now I'm uh, years. It's been years since I was on the dating scene. A very long time. I'm talking decades. I've been married for nearly coming up to my 28th wedding anniversary. And uh, so yeah, haven't been dating for a long, long, long time. But that doesn't mean that you guys aren't. There's a lot of dating apps at the moment. I often. I really wonder what it would have been like back in the day when I was dating if I had Tinder. back in the day. How that would have turned out. Anyway. I'm uh, happily married, so it turned out all right anyway. But for you guys who are using these dating apps, Tinder, uh, all that, like, I think is RSVP, and there's websites and all kinds of, of hookup apps and dating apps, and um, I'm sure you know them back to front. But there is a new one, and it's called Fitify, and it's based on matching users on based on their health and fitness interests which is I think you think about it it is something that if you are say a health you're, you're a health nut you like get up early go for a run and if you if you don't have that in common with your partner there there's a major stumbling block right there so I think that that a lot of you can relate that if if that's not something you match up on then you you out, out of the gate you're going to be struggling so here with fitify this is an Australian first it uses AI matching technology to match singles based on their fitness and health preferences. You might be an early riser. You might love to exercise. You might be a vegan. These are major factors to determine the success of a relationship. So why not get that right from the get-go? That's what Fitify can do. So uh, it's not about just nailing that selfie so that you get those swipes. It's about nailing the display picture, but also getting the your profile right so that you know if you're into bushwalking triathlons running ocean swimming uh if you love you're a keto fan vegan you want to live a healthy lifestyle then the chances of success of a person who enjoys those things as well are pretty high now this is available to anyone in Australia over 18 and it's designed to put the reality and humanity back into dating rather more just being based on an appearances and just that casual swipe, this allows you, Fitify allows you to build out a profile so you can outline your specific health and fitness interests and then match you with someone who shares them with you. Now, this is an interesting story about how this was founded. It was a Perth-based co-founder, Brendan McCormack, uh, he had the idea for this. Now, he's a fitness industry veteran with a decent following on social media. So, off the bat, he had a lot of people who followed him. He was, uh, he's been in the industry for quite a while. And what happened? He got the idea for Fitify after being asked during a live Instagram Q&A if he could find a person a date. So you've got to remember, this person is probably into fitness. And he thought, okay, I'll take up that challenge. F- found someone for that person who happened to be into fitness as well. And what happens? He was inundated by similar requests from all his other followers. So he thought, hang on a minute, I'm onto something here, and the result of that is Fitify. So it's free to download, and users can create a profile, upload an image or two, if you want to illustrate your lifestyle. So there is a free version, but there's also a premium version as well. Uh, So the premium version gives you uh, advanced targeted filters, Based on personal fitness preferences, you can boost your profile so you get seen by more people. So there is a way. If you want to pay, you can, you can. price start $16.70 per month. Uh, and you can pay for a six-month or three-month or 12 months or month-to-month month if you like. But there is a free version. But if you do want to go serious and uh, pay a few bucks a month, you can also sort of take your profile to the next level, get noticed by more people. And you never know, potentially find your perfect match. If you want to read more about Fitify, you can check it out. That's spelled F-I-T-A-F-Y, in case you're wondering. Fitify, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, there's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams, and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private online, plus a password manager, PC SafeCam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech God Help Desk brought to you by our good friends at Belkin. And keep an eye out for their range of MagSafe products that will work with the new iPhone 12 range. And, of course, if you need a cable, battery, you name it, they've got the accessories for you. Belkin.com forward slash AU. Now, in this help desk, I thought I would offer you some tips on what to do if your smartphone can't scan a QR code. We've had a lot of people contacting us. They're having issues. They've got older phones. They're, they're not being able to read the, the QR codes because now in this COVID-safe world that we're living in, you're scanning barcodes, QR codes, I should say, when you are going to cafes, into restaurants. And sometimes if your phone doesn't work, it's uh, it's frustrating. It's a, It's a worry for some people. So I thought I would set it straight, tell you what you're doing wrong, what you need to do, and so to get you into that cafe, that restaurant, that pub, whatever you need to do. Now, just a bit of background. The QR code was actually invented in the 90s. QR stands for quick response. It was actually manu- It was invented by a barcode scanner manufacturer the Denso Corporation, as they were trying to come up with new codes that would store more information. So the barcode is like a one-dimensional code that only stores a certain small amount of data, whereas the QR code is a two-dimensional code that can that can store hundreds of times hundreds of times more information. So the QR code, very handy, we're seeing them everywhere now. Now. If your phone can't scan a QR code, and by that I mean when you open up your camera and it doesn't recognize the code. If you're an iPhone user, if you're running iOS 11 and lower, your camera won't recognize a QR code. You need to either upgrade your system to 12 and above or download one of the many hundreds of free QR code apps scanner apps or if you've got the service New South Wales app that will also help you out too because that will scan not only the barcode but also populate all your information because it knows if you've got your driver's license on it for those listeners in New South Wales if you've got your driver's license on it then it'll take all that information and populate the fields for you rather than you having to type it out. Android users listen up if you're running Android 9 or higher you'll be able to read the QR code through the camera. Android 9 or lower then you're out of luck, and again, you've got to download one of those uh, those QR code readers, those free apps, third-party apps to do so. Um, and there, But there are maybe a number of other reasons why your device might not be able to scan the QR code. First of all, you need to hold your phone vertically. So the same way you'd be holding it to type a text message, that's vertically. That's how you need to open up the camera and point it at the QR code. Uh, don't get too close with the camera either. Give it about 30 centimeters. At that distance, the camera should be able to easily focus and scan the code, and then pop up that link on your screen. When you're successful, you see a link appear. You click on that, takes you to the Google Doc or wherever they want to take you to collect your information to get you inside. Now, the other thing, and this might sound really simple and pretty basic, but the, the, something as small as a smudge on your camera lens could be preventing the code from being read properly. So give that, give your lens a bit of a clean. Uh, Hold the phone about a foot away, about 30 centimetres away. Hold your phone vertically. Make sure it's running Android 9 and higher, iOS 11 and higher, or using the service New South Wales app if you're in New South Wales, or one of the hundreds of third-party QR code readers as well. Between all of those things, I'll be very surprised if you weren't able to read your QR code. And that is our show for this week. Full time already. Everything we've talked about on the show, you can find, of course, at techguide.com.au. And feel free to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the sponsors that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week so until then, stay safe and stay connected.